From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. Tony Bruschi joining you solo this evening. Jenny Bruschi away in assignment. And the option was either no show or you get to deal with me. And I thought, well, I think you like me. <laughs> so I think, I think you know, we, we can play well together. Um, so that's what you got tonight. We're going to do, uh, of course, your calls, your stories, your letters. And uh, we'll try and get through as many as we possibly can this evening on Real Ghost Stories Online. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your Real Ghost Stories. We'd absolutely love to hear them. That's the quickest way to get your ghost story on the air is by calling it. And it's kind of like the fast pass, if you will. Again, 855-853-4802, the phone number. You can always write in on our website, realghoststoriesonline.com. And if you've not done so yet, we ask you please become an EPP. That helps put the wind in our sails, keep the show alive. Uh, we have a lot of hard costs associated with doing this show, and a lot of you have already signed up, and I thank you so much for that. That means the world to us. Um, we still got a little ways to go to uh, to essentially get our, our costs cooped to the level of survival. <laughs> so uh, if, uh, if you've not signed up yet to be uh, in EPP, it's only five bucks a month, or you can do ten, or you can do fifteen. It's completely up to you. Whatever you feel the show is worth to you, um, and uh, you subscribe uh, via the PayPal button there on uh, the EPP section, and uh, we give you a bonus episode every single week as a thank you. So you get something out of it. It's not just a blind. Oh, I get the show for free, and I'm going to pay for it because it's really not free. Then we still give you the free show that always exists, whether you become an EPP or not. But if you're an EPP, we give you an extra episode. Episode and I email those out to you every single week. So please sign up, support the show. We'll thank you uh, tremendously by uh, essentially an extra 52 episodes a year, only for you. And uh, there'll be some other extra bonus stuff in there as well, some video stuff we're working on, all sorts of cool stuff. So please, uh, please do so if you enjoy listening to this program. Uh, a couple follow ups from the stuff that we've uh, recently talked about uh, here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hey there, Tony. This is Ryan from the forums. The skeptic. Skeptics are welcome. We welcome everyone. You mentioned in a recent episode that uh, it's spooky to you to look into mirrors at night. I get the same feeling at night, but I always look. I think it's important, even if you think there may be something there, if only to face your fears. Try it sometime. It might actually produce the opposite of what you're expecting and maybe put your mind at ease. Great show, sir. My compliments to Jenny. You guys are a lot of fun to listen to. Sincerely, Ryan. Ryan, thank you for the uh, the call. And you know what, Ryan? For a while there, I was. I, I was totally fine looking at the mirrors uh, at night. And you know who freaked me out about it was Jenny Bruski. Uh, because, uh, I, you know, we talk about it so much on this show. I think it's really since we started doing this show, um, you know, about a year ago. Where uh, where I really kind of stopped looking at mirrors in the middle of the night. I just thought, you know, yeah. <laughs> even if there is nothing there, I could see my mind in the middle of the night uh, perceiving something being there that really isn't. So um, I appreciate the suggestion and the idea, but I'm going to I'm going to stray away from still looking at mirrors in the middle of the night. And I know in all likelihood the chances of seeing something slim to nil, but I'm going to I'm going to err on the side of caution. 
Uh, Julie writes in, uh, hi, Tony. My boyfriend and I are both hooked on your podcast and listen faithfully every single day. Well, thank you, Julie. Uh, we just had a conversation about the fact that you've got the best radio voice we've ever heard. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we're a little afraid that someone is going to hear you and hire you away from us. We hope uh, you're in this for the long haul. We enjoy listening to you more than Art Bell or George Norrie. Keep up the good work. Julie from Richland, Washington. Julie, thank you for those kind words. Um, no one's going to snatch me up because um, actually this is uh, the, I would say, my final destination for radio, if you will. Unless the show itself grows into something bigger and we do get picked up, and I'm not shopping this anywhere, but if we do get picked up into something back on terrestrial, um, I guess, you know, I'm not going anywhere then. It's just an extension of the show. But uh, don't worry. No one is going to snatch me away in the world of radio. I left terrestrial radio um to focus more on this broadcast which is my broadcast my show i'm in control of it it's not owned by clear channel or some other large conglomerate or premier radio or whatever you know insert syndicator here um to to do this show on my own terms um and and when i was in terrestrial radio it was it was music radio it was you know essentially DJing as you know, you know, that was, this is weather next. Um, and I just kind of had my fill of it over the last 18 years and said, eh, it's not so fun anymore. So I'm done. Um, and I came to do this. So, um, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. You do indeed have me for the long haul. What's exciting about this show is that I can only see it growing because it has been growing exponentially since we started doing the show. Um, just originally like a couple times a month and to weekly, um, then to a couple times a week and then to now almost daily. Um, as I say, we try and get the show out there five to seven times a week, um, every single week, you know, as much as we can, because we love doing the show. Um, being parents, Running a, a, another business aside from doing this show, um, as you can imagine, there's some days where it's just impossible to do the show. Like tonight, Jenny's not able to join us, but I am. So I wanted to do the show because I enjoy doing the show. But uh, long winded answer. I know I'm sorry, but uh, we're not going anywhere. Uh, if anything, this thing will only grow and you'll find more and more places uh, to enjoy the broadcast. Uh, or some version of the broadcast um, along with this because this is this will stay the podcast will stay um, I can only see expanding into other areas so thank you Julie I appreciate that uh, that feedback if you'd like to uh, write into us you can always do it on the website realghoststoriesonline.com you can email me direct it's Tony T-O-N-Y at realghoststoriesonline.com uh, or call in 855-853-4802 is the phone number to dial us here at Real Ghost Stories Online you do it 24 hours a day 7 days a week that's how that thingamajig works. Let's go to a call here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. I don't know if that recorded or not, so I'll start over again. This is Stella, the crazy cat lady in Chicago. I have two little short stories. Um, the one happened, I my dad was in the living room watching TV. I was about 17 years old, and I was going upstairs to my bedroom, and the stairwell to the upstairs is removed kind of from the rest of the house. It's off to the side in the kitchen somewhere. It used to be a pantry, and the upstairs was just an attic before. So um, I'm going up the stairs, and as clear as a bell in my left ear, there's a loud whisper of my name. Like when someone's trying to get your attention and you're not really paying attention, they go, 
really loud in my ear. And it's an unusual name, so it's not like I'd mistake it for something else. Scared the crap out of me. I did whatever I was running upstairs to do and flew back down the stairs and went and sat in the living room by my dad. And he's looking at me like I'm a nut. He's, what's wrong with you? But nothing. <laughs> I didn't want to tell him I'm hearing voices. Um, but nothing else happened other than it creeped me out. The second story was a little more creepy. I was laying in my bed upstairs by myself. I was home by myself. My dad used to work nights. And I had laid down in bed. I was reading for a few minutes and then I got tired and was going to go to sleep. And I turned off the lamp and turned over with my back toward the door and just ready, just getting ready to, to fall asleep. I hadn't fallen asleep yet. And I suddenly had the urge to turn around and look at the doorway. Why I would do that, I don't know, because I was home by myself. But I turned and looked at the doorway, so I was laying on my back now looking at the doorway. And up in the corner of the doorway, by a bookcase that runs right next to the door, there was this black sphere, um, definitely like three-dimensional, and it was black, and it looked like it was kind of a thickish, viscous, viscous, shiny liquid, kind of like, it doesn't sound real good, but it's the only way I can figure out how to describe it, would be like a ball full of oil with gold glitter floating around in it. And I'm just staring at this ball, because I was like paralyzed at the time, and I'm staring at it for a few seconds, and then it started to descend and come toward me. So it's coming toward me at an angle. And at first I couldn't move. And then when it got right about even with my feet and my knees, I kicked at it and threw the blanket over my head and turned my back on it. And at that point, I just started praying to God to help me, to protect me. And I didn't look up again until I felt that it was safe. And, of course, turned on the light and looked, and, and nothing was anywhere. And I never had an incident with it again, but it was very creepy. And being black, it didn't give me a good feeling. <laughs> so, well, that's my two stories for today, and I'll be calling in with more later. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the call, and uh, I appreciate uh, the lightheartedness that uh, that you have with uh, with the cat lady reference. We we do love your calls and uh, and your stories here at Real Ghost Stories Online. It's always creepy when you got the voices calling out your name. I think that's one of the most disturbing things to me, uh, or it would be if if it happened. This has never happened to me, but uh, if I was in a place by myself and suddenly my name was being whispered kind of maniacally (laughs) out there in the background uh that would really put some my spine that's that's i think the last thing you want to know because that's where you're essentially being identified by something that you don't know what it is very very creepy to think about and uh an experience that i'm gonna say i i hope i I don't have, but uh, I do appreciate you calling in uh, and sharing it. Not necessarily appreciate that it happened to you, but I appreciate the fact that you're willing to share that story with us. Got a letter here. Hi, Tony. Enjoy your show and the many stories you and your wife bring to us, your listeners. However, I feel the need to warn your listeners not to go wandering around abandoned, creepy, condemned, or supposedly haunted buildings where they reside. 
There's a variety of dangers in all those buildings, all of which are not supernatural. Also, they're trespassing and can be arrested by myself or a fellow law enforcement professional. One of the cardinal rules after being safe in ghost hunting is to get permission to where you are. One of my story, which occurred several years ago, as I stated, I work in law enforcement as a patrol officer. I was riding around my usually quiet southern college town headed to the sleepy downtown area. It was getting towards the end of my shift and I nestled my cruiser into a parking spot next to our old train station. Immediately to the right of the train station is an old two-story building that's purpose has been lost to time, but numerous businesses have tried to make a go in the first floor. After finishing the report I was working on, I stretched and glanced over at the building to my right, the two-story one. I saw a dim light. I called into dispatch, telling them I had a possible breaking and entering. I eased my cruiser closer, keeping my lights off and my light pole to a minimum. I exited and began to check for possible signs of entrance. All my senses on overdrive. No broken glass. The door was firmly locked in the front and back. I began to question myself when I had the feeling of being watched. The second floor, this is where I get uh, shot from above, stupid. Quickly, I scanned the windows facing me, and I spot a figure. But I know it is not a burglar. It's a young, transparent-looking woman in a bluish dress looking down at me. She slowly backs away from the window, and for some reason, I get the feeling of sadness. Just complete sadness. I holster my weapon... Radio that there's no break-in and need a few personal minutes as I climb back in my cruiser. Not sure what I just saw. Keep up the good work. Warm regards, Ryan. Ryan, thank you for the story and the warning. <laughs> we, we appreciate that. We'll, uh, we'll go on our way. We won't be any more trouble uh, here on these premises. But no, I, you're exactly right, Ryan. Uh, as far as going into buildings, um, a lot of times you just shouldn't do it. Um, it's not a, not a wise idea. There's, there is a lot of dangers out there, especially in some of these old, falling apart, decrepit buildings. Um, and in some cases, uh, you may be surprised. Uh, they do let you in if you ask politely and explain uh, in, you know, in a nice way what you're looking to do. Um, I've, I've never tried to explore a building for the purpose of ghost hunting, but I have asked to go into a building for the purpose of taking creepy pictures. And that's how I explained it. I wanted to go into a uh, abandoned school that I drove by on a pretty regular basis. And I knew it was getting ready to be torn down because I could see the construction equipment amassing outside of it. And I knew it only had probably days uh, left. And I thought, well, it's now or never if I'm going to get in there. And I was not about to break into the place, although it probably would have been fairly easy to do and, and go about it undetected. But I didn't know exactly what was going on, uh, you know, within the building. Uh, sometimes, you know, old buildings, there can be reasons why, you know, it's fenced away and they don't want people going in there. And it's usually not for paranormal reasons. It's usually because uh, it's structurally probably not sound and you, you know, bounce against a wall or walk on a floorboard the wrong way, you could end up, you know, killing yourself. Um, but I, I called, I looked it up, figured out who the owner of the building was, said, hey, you know what? I'm really curious. I drive by this building every day. Um, I like to take photos of abandoned buildings and it's not to encourage others to uh, go in them. It's just kind of for my own personal collection. Um, is it 
cool? Do I, can I have your permission just to go in there sometime um, and just take some photos and leave? I'm not going to take anything from the building. I'm not going to vandalize anything. I just want to take some pictures, and you have a really neat place to do it. The answer was yes. I could go in and take my pictures. So I did. And I actually went in there uh, a day when they were beginning to tear the building down, which was interesting. Being in the building as it was being torn down, um, the construction workers I had to explain to as well, like, hey, I talked to the owner. They said I could do this. They looked at me funny and they said, well, just stay over in that side of the building that we're not ripping apart and you should be okay." So I did. Um, And I walked around the building. I got my photos and. and I left and I took video too. actually, I have the video um, on on our YouTube page. Uh, I believe it's called Haunted School, something of that nature. I'll uh, I'll put a link up to it um, here uh, shortly so you can see that video. I'll put it on uh, on the website and you can see my haunted school video. And it's not really haunted. I just it just had a ghostly feel to it. But uh, it was a creepy, creepy place. But it was it was really neat walking through it. Anywho, thank you for the warning about going into haunted buildings, and thank you for for your story. We really do appreciate it. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in to Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's go over to a caller at 855-853-4802. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is John from Virginia again. I really appreciate you guys using my story on the show, and again, love the podcast really feel like you guys do uh, a great service to everyone that listens and they're going through any type of paranormal problems or experiences. I wanted to call back because uh, my mom had shared with me recently that uh, she's seen some shadow figures and some things in the home that kind of have me worried after listening to uh, many podcasts and uh, of you guys shows <laughs> and listening to Joe the demonologist and a few others um, typically I'm not hearing a lot of great stories about shadow folks so just wanted to get you guys opinion on those and then I'll share a story um, first of all my mom said that uh, when she would go into our basement um, there were kind of um, following presence that she would sense and someone watching her, uh, especially near the utility closets. Then she stated that there were like cold spots in certain areas. And then she felt like she was touched on her back down the stairs, this one particular instance. And when she turned around, of course there was nothing there. But on our way up the stairs, you can kind of look back through the basement to the area that she was at where the uh, where our washing machine and dryer uh, are at at my parents' home. And she saw a tar, tall, dark, hooded figure. She said it looked like, you know, something out of a movie, like a Grim Reaper type of uh, character. But she couldn't see its face. It was just dark. She could see through it. So she knew it was something not supposed to be there. Um, years ago, uh, in the early 80s, they lost my older brother to leukemia. And we always kind of had a feeling that, you know, someone was kind of watching over us or looking after us. And my mom would always say it was my brother. 
the you know the questions that I had for her about you know what did she think some of these things were small things would you know not be where she put them or she would be forgetful uh, and she's not in the best of health and neither is my father so we would kind of overlook some things due to those reasons then she said that she had a few instances where she would kind of see something peek around the corner or she would catch something by the you know uh, corner of her eye she would chalk it up as to that's my brother checking in or something like that but nothing really creepy or weird happened but after seeing that figure um, definitely kind of had me worried um, and this is a, a grown woman um, in her late 60s and she uh, doesn't you know make up stories about things so not you know, anything going on medically that would cause her to hallucinate this or anything weird. And my parents have lived in that home for since 1969, so I know that it's uh, definitely something else there. Recently, she told me that she had a panic attack and couldn't do anything, almost like a sleep paralysis type of thing, but she was wide awake. And she is a very religious and spiritual woman She's unable to go to church a lot, um, or if any. So she watches kind of TV preachers and that kind of thing, and that, that helps her, and she feels like uh, she's getting her spiritual fulfillment that way because she can't leave home. So she's always kind of got that type of thing going, but she uh, was watching that type of show and laying in bed, and she wasn't feeling well. She had suffered a heart attack um, a few months ago and so she's been kind of weak from that and just recuperating and she's seen a shadow person walk in the room pick up the sheet where it was on top of her and open it up and she said she felt like it opened her up with the sheet and then laid down on her and kind of in her and she said she felt like she couldn't move she was suffocating uh, having a panic uh, attack, her heart was racing. She had like this over um, overwhelming fear and, and anxiety that was coming over her. And she said all she could do was pray. And she was able to kind of turn uh, the, the television uh, to another channel uh, that, that again had some more like TV preachers or something on it but apparently this person was in the middle of a prayer and so she just started praying along with it in her mind and she said it just left and she said it scared her to death she couldn't do anything uh, but just lay there and, and take it uh, but I really feel like it's something trying to work on their emotions um, and their weakness because my, my father's been uh, not doing well and, and neither has she. Um, I live about three hours away and I come home and check on them every now and then and I truly believe her and what she's told me. Uh, my dad doesn't necessarily subscribe to anything like that and of course the TV preachers really make him upset. Um, but <laughs> I just wanted to get you guys take on it. Uh, to me it doesn't sound great and I'm, I don't know exactly how far I can go without me looking crazy to them, but uh, 
I want to help them in some kind of way or at least alleviate the house from anything that might be trying to prey on them and, and their um, not being in, in such good health and, and spirit right now. Thank you for the call and thank you for the story. I'm going to open this one up to the community and let you guys weigh in on what your thoughts are on his situation. If someone wants to start a thread on the uh, the message board or the forum section at Real Ghost Stories Online to weigh in on this one, because um, I could see this going a lot of different ways. Um, so it'd be interesting to get some different perspectives on this. Personally, um, I think you're right on. When, when there's something dark going on, it does tend to prey on uh, someone's uh, anxieties or lack of understanding, I guess, if you will, about what uh, what may be going on around them um, and confusion and just kind of sucks itself right in there. Um, before the individual is able to really fully comprehend exactly what is going on. So I could really see it being something dark that's going on. As far as what you can do, um, I guess try and make them aware of what may be going on. I mean, if you said your dad's not very open to the subject, um, you know, I I understand that. Um, So I don't know where you'd really go with him on that, if someone said in their ways. But uh, as far as your mom goes, maybe, um, I mean, this, this is not a plug for the show by any means, but um, sit down and listen to the show with her, you know, and that may open up the, the lines of discussion. I'm not telling her, you know, or asking you to try and make her an avid listener of the show, but just say, hey, I, you know, if you heard the show, I like this. And then just play a little bit of an episode, talk about, you know, what you heard, not probably this one, not the one where you're talking about her situation, but just other people's situations and lead into that conversation with some relatability and then kind of go from there um, and then express your opinion that way. That way it's not completely at a left field and you're not looked at as like, oh, what are you trying to do here, my dear? Um, That's just my thoughts, but uh, feel free to weigh in on our community uh, section or on our forum section on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Thank you for calling in, and I hope our community can be of some help to you. The phone number is 855-853-4802, We would love to hear your real ghost story. Here's another letter. It says, when I uh, was little, my family lived in a countryside town. We lived in a trailer surrounded by woods with a barn behind the trailer. My mom told me that one day my dad went into the barn and discovered there was a man living in it. The inside of the barn was like a scene from a horror movie. The walls were covered in red satanic symbols and words we couldn't read. The floor was also covered with candles. My dad threatened him out and locked the barn up. After the man left, my dad said he would constantly see an old woman in the window of our trailer. He would rush inside to only find no one there. My mom and dad decided to move into a safer neighborhood where I would spend my years growing up. Me and my sister shared a room with a bunk bed. I slept on the bottom and her on the top. The ghostly experience started with the classic TV turning on and off. At first, we thought it was the TV because it was old, so we got a new one and it continued to turn itself on and off. I would always be sitting on the floor and play with those small toy cars. My mom gave me a large cardboard box flattened out to roll the cars on because the carpet was too thick. 
One day I was playing with my car scattered around me. I noticed movement in the corner of my eye and turned my head over to see one of the car toys moving across the carpet. I ran out of the room to my mom to tell her what I saw. She didn't believe me, of course. My dad told me one night he was in a deep sleep and randomly woke up. He lay there trying to fall back to sleep, but something didn't feel right. He turned over and saw a silhouette of a woman leaning over my mom, moving closer. He sat up and punched at it. The woman disintegrated into midair. My sister said she heard something moving around in my bed under her one night while I was overnight at a friend's house. We had enough of that. We moved a few houses up the street from our old house. My mom liked the neighborhood too much to leave it. It seemed like we, wherever we would move to, whatever was haunting us would follow. I kept Barbie horses on my nightstand beside my bed every night. Each morning, the horses would be in different positions. One position scared me with the baby horse on its side like it was dead with the mother horse's head down looking at its baby. We had balls roll across the floor and jump up to hit a wall and toys in places they weren't before. One night, I wasn't sure if it was a dream or actually happening. I woke to three to see three heads floating above me, telling me, don't be scared, and not to worry. In fear, I threw my covers over my head and plugged my ears. My dad said he would see shadows moving along the wall or running by him at night. Again, being fed up, we moved to the next house down. My mom was a non-believer and was getting tired of hearing us tell her everything that kept happening. It seemed like every time we moved, more and more things would happen. Finally, me and my sister were able to have our own rooms. The regular would happen. Lights would flicker. Things would move around. My mom had a dresser and the drawer would not open because the top collapsed into it, putting too much pressure on it to pull it out. My mom came into mine and my sister's room, angry, asking, who pulled the drawer out? No one admitted to doing it. We'd find the drawer pulled out every single day. One night, however, was a night that I won't forget. I was just settling down to go to sleep. I lay in bed with my eyes closed facing my door. I started to hear a clicking sound and thought it was a clock or something. The clicking got louder. And a snapping sound started with a clicking. It sounded like it was right below my bed. I was paralyzed in fear and refused to open my eyes. Suddenly, I heard a loud moan growl along with the clicking and snapping. Then it went silent. Next morning I told my sister what I heard. She told me the same night she heard light knocking on her bedroom door that turned into the sound of nails dragging across it. My dad said he saw the shadows again on the same night. That seriously freaked me out. We stayed on the lot we were living on and tore our old house down and built a new one. For the first time in a long time, I had the feeling of relief. The atmosphere felt safe and easy. Two years living in our new house, that unsettling feeling returned. The worst paranormal experience happened to my sister. I asked what had happened. My parents refused to tell me. I went to my sister to ask what had happened, but she wouldn't give it given either. I was up late one night chatting with a friend on Skype. I was lying in bed on my side, facing the wall. I started to get that fearful feeling inside of me. I suddenly felt my bed sink in a bit. It sunk more and more like someone heavy was sitting on it beside me. 
I paused with what I was doing and told my friends to hush. I started to feel like someone was pushing on my back hard. I turned my camera on and whispered for my friend to look behind me. I put my camera slowly up behind me and he said there was no one there. I got up all my courage and sat up and turned over. He was right. Nothing was there. Next morning, I went into my sister's room and told her what had happened. That's when she confessed and told me what had happened to her. She said she was lying in bed on her phone in the dark and heard her door open and close. She looked over and nothing was there. She said she felt her bed sink in, but instead of sitting down, it was like they were lying down beside her. She said she felt arms wrap around her and hold her. In a man's voice, it said, Why are you scared? When the door opened and closed again. Same night with my experience with bed, my dad was sleeping in the living room and woke up. He said he saw someone standing in front of the sink in the kitchen not doing anything. He shouted out, hey, but it didn't move and he called my dog over and that's when it faded away. Me and my dad have recently started waking up with scratches on us. Most recently was about a week ago. I have a deep scratch under my eye that looks like three small claw marks. My family isn't religious and unsure how to remove this entity. We don't want to anger it in any way, so we just go on living with it like we have since day one with the lady in the window. Thank you for sharing my story of the events. Great show, you guys. From Mai. Mai, I'm sorry to hear the situation that you're in right now and the story that you're telling us. It's always disturbing when we get the stories that are actively in progress. I'm going to open this up to the community and maybe on our forum section if someone wants to reach out and uh, put some suggestions up there as far as what to do. My suggestion would be to reach out to someone possibly within your uh, religious community of whatever denomination that may be and ask for some guidance there. My other suggestion would also be to dig deeper. Dig deeper into your family's past, your family's history, because this really sounds like something that is following someone in your family and plaguing it as a whole. It kind of goes back to the saying, buildings aren't haunted, houses aren't haunted, people are haunted. And that's really what this sounds like from the moving from house to house to house, building new house, and still something is going on. Something is following someone in your family for some reason. And getting to the root of that reason may lead to the solution to this problem. And it may be deeper than you're able to, to dig. It may be something with your parents that they're not necessarily going to come right on an express to you, but making them aware that something possibly in their past or some interaction with someone in their past may have been the conduit to bring this into your life. And I'm saying that based on the stories and experience that we have from doing this show. There's a lot of cases where... For whatever reason, something attaches into a single person in a family and the whole family gets plagued as far as what 
those events were, what that action was, it varies greatly from situation to situation. But I'm going to guess something somewhere attached on for some reason. And that needs to be addressed. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. 855-853-4802. We'd love to hear your real ghost stories. Hi. Hey, Tony and Jenny. This is Jamie. I have sent in a, a, a story before, but I'm not sure if you guys actually put it on the air. I've been listening, but maybe I missed it. Um, I'm going to actually read it off. I have it here saved on my computer. And it was a really crazy story about going to the old South Pittsburgh Hospital in Tennessee. And let me tell you, the, the, that place is really, really crazy. Um, a little background on the place is that it was... In the late 1700s or so, the land was, was used by the Cherokees and until, you know, they rented out their land as a staging ground for the Union soldiers during the Civil War. Uh, a lot of death happened, and a large number of the Cherokees and the Union soldiers died during the engagement, and the area fell to the Confederates until about 1863. Um, Union soldiers took it back. Excuse me. Until the end of the Civil War, and erected the town of South Pittsburgh. Uh, it's a really small, podunk town. Um, the land itself actually remained empty until the 1920s, when a plantation that was on the land burned to the ground. And I didn't know this until I actually did a tour of the place, and seven kids lost their lives at that site. Um, the land again sat vacant until the 60s, uh, 1959-60, when the actual hospital was erected. Um, it was actually in operation for about 39 years before it closed its doors in 98. And when I went, there was still equipment from the actual morgue and the diagnostic equipment. Um, they did repurpose some of the, you know, the cooler, the actual cooling unit to the new morgue, um, but everything else had been pretty much left. The x-ray machines, the OR rooms, everything was still intact, and it still is to this day, or at least until almost a year ago was when, when the last time that I went. Um, you could actually hear drums and people chanting if you stood outside on a warm night, and it was really weird. I thought it was like construction or possibly somebody playing music or something going on down the road, but it, it actually it's all around you when you go around outside and sit out there. So I originally went there in 2012, and I just wanted to go to a really notoriously haunted location. I've been to a lot of residential investigations. I got all the fancy equipment. But when I actually went to this hospital, it kind of changed my outlook. I was more skeptical than anything else. But um, if you want to know more about the website or know more about the place, just, just go to the website. But it's the old South Pittsburgh Hospital and it's in Tennessee. But um, I, I booked a two-day investigation took me about eight hours to get there and they have the whole entire place covered in uh, video equipment so you can actually take your own equipment or just use theirs that's there I took my own equipment and oh my gosh I had about a hundred hours of audio and video to listen to after I left that place but to get to my main, my main story when I was there um, they gave us a tour of the whole entire building and then they kind of lock it up. They had a couple caretakers that stayed on site, but they obviously stayed on one side of the building and they locked the door so that, you know, they, they converted a two, uh, two hospital rooms. They blew down the middle wall and they basically made an efficiency apartment and they stayed on site. Um, 
But when I went down into the basement by myself, which is actually the cafeteria and the maintenance area, where they where they told me numerous times during the tour that uh, a maintenance guy had uh, that they had actually personally known uh, committed suicide in that in that area. And I was actually doing a, this was probably about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. I was sitting, I had a, an EVP recorder, and I was doing a burst 20-minute session, ask a bunch of questions, and then sit down and listen to the recording while I'm down in the basement just to see if anybody's responding to me so I can kind of give them back, ask, you know, answer their questions and things like that. But um, when I sat down in the chair, this this old rickety metal chair to to listen to my recording. Uh, it, it was one of those old teacher chairs, I guess is the best way to describe it. It has, it's like green. It's got the, the padding on the handles and a little bit of padding on the back. And the seat cushion was pretty much gone out of it, but I was sitting in it and it was stable. Nothing was going on with it. But as soon as I started to listen to my headset, it, it was like somebody walked up and field goal punted the bottom of that chair as if, if as if I pissed somebody off and I wasn't supposed to be there or sitting in that chair and I found out that later on that that was actually the maintenance guy's chair now again I'm about 6'5 220 pounds so it, it actually hit it hard enough where my chair lifted up off the ground a couple inches and just slammed back on the ground so whatever it was really I, I think I really upset it just by sitting down there um, so that was like one of the stories but another one in the same area there were talks of some kind of naughty nurse that would go around and, and you know, uh, mess around with the guys a little bit. So I thought that was interesting. And I went into one of the back bathrooms that was near the aqua uh, treatment facility down there where, where some of the patients could go into the pools and do aerobics and things like that. And I, I kid you not, I walked into this, this bathroom the men's bathroom and I didn't get any I didn't get any responses and I thought well you know where's the where's the female nurse going to be it's going to be in the female bathroom so I opened the door I went in there and it's and it felt like a breeze like a cold breeze hit my face now this whole place is closed up there's no windows or anything open and I felt the only way I can describe it is like if you have a longer needle it felt like it jammed into my neck and I could feel the end of the needle go all the way in and when I looked there was a big red spot afterwards. It was extremely uncomfortable. And and I got an EVP while I was recording during that time that I heard a lady laugh that said, ha ha, got you. So that, that freaked me out a little bit. And I've, I've now I've gone there more than a couple times now. And every time that I go, it gets a lot better and a lot better. But I just wanted to give you guys a call in and just uh, thank you for putting the show on. You guys are great. I hope to uh, hear my story. Thanks. Thanks for calling in and sharing your story. I'm, I'm confused by what you say. It gets a lot better and it gets a lot better. Does that mean that you're getting stabbed and stabbed more often with ghost needles from ghost nurses? That's a very creepy story. Very interesting story, nonetheless. So thank you so much for calling in and, uh, and sharing that, uh, that with us. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in. 855-853-4802. Sounds like something out of a. Uh, <laughs> again, I, I'm sorry to make the reference, but uh, it's it's horror related, if you will. Uh, Silent Hill. If you're familiar with uh, with that horror genre of video game, where there's uh, there's a, a haunted hospital that you visit in there, and it's just dark and creepy, and the ghost nurses, and yeah. 
Let's go to a, uh, a letter. It says, hi, Tony and Jenny. Great show. Love the show even more now that Jenny is part of it. Hey, so do I. Unfortunately, she's, uh, she's just not with us here tonight, but she will be back uh, in just uh, a couple episodes. Uh, I've wrote in once about my own ghost experience, but this time I really want to tell a ghost story on behalf of my cousin, Maylee. She doesn't really like to talk about her own paranormal experiences, but somehow she felt like she could talk to me about it. And I really want to share it here on Real Ghost Stories Online because everyone here is so open-minded. I want to show her that it's okay and that she's not alone. Here I go. The story starts back when she was 12 with her parents going through a divorce. That's when she had her first paranormal experience that pretty much made her a believer. At this point, Maylee had to move out of the house to live with her side of the family till the divorce process had gone through, leaving all of her kids with my uncle. My cousin Maylee was the fourth oldest of eight kids, but being the elder's daughter, she took her mother's responsibilities seriously. Even though it was tough, she was still a kid herself, and she didn't complain. She said she was doing a bunch of chores and fell asleep folding laundry in the basement. She woke up to someone whispering her name. She thought it was her brother's, so she called out their names. No one answered. Deciding that maybe they couldn't hear her, she walked upstairs into the kitchen. It was pitch black, and she realized it was past 10 p.m., wondering why the house was so quiet, especially on a Friday night. In a house full of six boys and only two girls, she began to search the house for her siblings and her dad. When the phone went off, it startled her. Picking up the phone, she found out that her brothers went to retrieve their dad at the bar. He was totally drunk, and the two younger siblings were at the grandpa's house, and they had hung up on her. She kicked a chair so mad that they didn't even wake her up and let her know about the situation. She then decided to walk over in the dark to retrieve her younger sibling from her grandpa's place, which was only a block away. But her grandpa refused to let her wake them up and said she can collect them tomorrow morning. Maybe she should stay the night. She refused because there was still so much chores to be done and no one to do them, not knowing that she would later regret this decision. So she made the trip back home. Upon reaching home, the whole house was lit up like someone had turned on all the lights. Their back was what she thought. Only when she searched the house did she realize no one was there. That's weird, she thought. My cousin was sure she had turned off the lights and locked the door before heading to Grandpa's place. That's when she heard someone calling out her name, but it was coming from the basement. Who? She was officially scared now. Wait. Then she recalled that earlier she woke up to someone whispering her name too. Again, someone called out her name. Now she just felt like running out of the house because she no longer felt safe anymore. She said she felt like a trapped rabbit waiting for the end. She was so scared that she started to cry and backed into a corner praying that someone would save her. That's when the front door opened and her brothers carried a very drunk dad through, stumbling in. To her relief, she ran up to her drunk dad. Doesn't matter if he reeks of alcohol. It was a relief. That night, she begged her brothers to check the basement thoroughly and made sure that all the windows down there were locked. When they finished checking the basement, her big brother asked her why she looked so scary. She told him what she'd heard and that she is very freaked out. He looked puzzled and shook his head. 
He then began to tell her he too thought someone was calling out to him. Never, ever answer it, you hear me? Ever, her brother said to her. All she could do was nod her head because she was speechless because she never had seen her big, strong brother looking so scary or pissed off before. Though nothing happened, my cousin's family moved out of that house after the divorce was finalized. That's all of her story. I did ask her if they knew of anyone that might have died in there or the history of the house. She said that it wasn't something she at the time even thought to ask, although that it really doesn't matter because it stopped happening since they moved away. I told her that maybe there was something there in her childhood home that was woken up or gained enough energy from everything that was going on in their house, from her parents' divorce to her dad and his new habit of drinking putting all the kids in their own misery. That's it. Thank you, Tony and Jenny. Thalia. Thank you, Thalia, for that uh, story and that very dark account. We appreciate you writing in to us. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in if you have a real ghost story that you would like to share with us. Or, of course, you can always write into us on the website. Real Ghost Stories Online is a place to do that. And we will get your story on the air. Let's do one more caller here before we wrap up the show for today. Hi, you are on Real Ghost Stories Online. Hey guys, um, this is Robbie from Southern California, and I just want to say I'm a huge fan of the show, and I have a few interesting stories that I'd love to share with you guys. Um, but I'm only going to do one today and call back and do some others. The first one that I want to talk about today is one that happened to me when I was doing some productions in high school in our school auditorium. Our auditorium had a basement and it had a lot of rooms in the basement. There was dressing rooms, furniture rooms, just a a lot of rooms. It was like a long hallway and on both sides it had just a bunch of rooms. Um, But I remember one night um, we were in a musical in the spring and everyone had left the building to go get dinner because there's a lot of fast food restaurants by my high school. So everyone had left to go get dinner. And um, me and my friend Erica were the only ones at the school at this time. And this was around 7.30 at night. Um, well, my director was on uh, up on stage as well. But me and my friend Erica were down in the boys' dressing room. And um, we were working on makeup charts for the production. And we were just, you know, singing, like, hanging out. And then all the, all of a sudden, this stool slides from one side of the room and stops in front of this closet. And, like, it was really loud. And at first, me and Erica were like, we didn't think anything of it right at first. And then, like, a couple seconds after it happened, we kind of realized what just happened. And we kind of just looked at each other and was like, um, did that stool just slide across the floor and um, it kind of freaked us out like I said I've had multiple experiences there so I kind of knew it was haunted but it's like the first time I had seen um, an entity or something move a physical object at this location so it kind of freaked me out a little bit but I wasn't like super freaked out because I've always felt like super um, sensitive with energies and stuff and I could tell that there was nothing there that was going to harm me in any way shape or form so me and Erica were kind of just like okay let's just go back upstairs up on the stage and work up there with our director and 
Um, Eric, me and Eric were like, okay, let's do it. And so we opened the door and we were still kind of freaked out. So I looked down one side of the hallway, we both did. And then we turned our head and looked down at the other side of the hallway. And at the end of the hallway was this room. And this room was the first, we called it the first room. And this is where everyone got their hair done and makeup touch-up done. This is where all the leaves got their makeup done and wigs got put on. This is where everyone had last looks. This room is very important for these productions. Anyways, like I said, we were the only people besides our director who were in this building at this time. So we looked down one side and we looked down the other side and in the doorway of the first room, there was light shining, which is normal. The light's always on in that room, but the light was shining out um, into the hallway and it was casting a shadow of the doorframe. But in the shadow of the doorframe was a man. And I was really far out. And so I was, I would be able to, if someone was standing in right in that doorway where the shadow was, um, I would have been able to see their shadow. Like I would have been able to see who they were. And so I peered out even farther and the doorway was completely empty, yet the shadow still remained on the floor as if someone was standing right in that doorway. So that kind of freaked us out and the stairs were right by that room. So we had to go in front of that room to go up those stairs and there was a separate set of stairs, but those lights didn't work and so they were pitch black. Um, So we were just like, well, we're just gonna stay in this room. We're not going up there. Um, we were kind of sad at this point because we just saw the chair move. Now we just saw the shadow of a very dark shadow of a very tall man. And it, and it was kind of scary. So um, we went back into the room. And as the door is closing, this poster rips off the wall. And I mean ripped because it was nailed to the wall. And um, the nail actually had little scraps of paper under it where the poster had been ripped off the wall. It was literally ripped off the wall and landed in the closet where the stool had moved in front of the same closet. And why this freaked me out so much is because in that closet, there it's a pretty tall closet. It's probably about six feet. Um, but in this closet, there is a metal rod that you can hold your hangers on, but it is bent in the middle, like severely bent, like it's not usable anymore. Um, but it, it used to be used. But why this freaks me out so much is there's this story that goes around at my school that a man hung himself up in the rafters. And um, I don't think that the man hung himself on this rod, but it freaks me out. <laughs> It was kind of like he was sending a message like, yeah, I'm here, I hung myself, I'm dead, because you have this metal pipe that's, that's bent in the middle and a stool that someone could have been standing on when they hung themselves. So, you know, it was just like really, really scary and um, it really did freak us out. But after that happened, we ran. We ran as fast as we could. And um, if you know me, I do not run at all <laughs> but I ran up those stairs as fast as I could and um, yeah that was um, 
one of the very first experiences I had at that school. And I will definitely call back in and um, let you guys know some more stories that I have. Thank you so much. I love the podcast, and I hope to talk to you guys again soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Robbie, for calling in and sharing your story with us. It's always interesting when you have stories of, uh, of haunted high schools. I think it always kind of takes all of us back to our own high schools. And if you are one who attended a high school that uh, had a bit of uh, mysteriousness to it, you can almost picture yourself and these events happening in them. I always place myself back in mind because mine was to the point of about being torn down. It literally was torn down within six months of uh, of me graduating. It was that old. It was built in the late 1800s. I was the last class there, and it was just creepy, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but uh, that was a very good story, and, and interesting, nonetheless. It, it's, it's one of those things where it sounds like there was almost an urban legend, you know, kind of attached to that story, Robbie, with the, the pole that's bent, and then people started talking, oh, yes, that's where the man hung himself, and it just kind of got out of control. But then you mix it with a real entity that's making itself known, and the two kind of merge together and somehow become this this thing that uh, that has some truth to it and and then has an urban legend. The thing is, the truth part is scarier than I think the urban legend because the truth is the actual entity that people are seeing and things are happening. So thank you for the call and uh, and sharing that story with us. We do greatly appreciate it. Our phone number is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. If you've not done so yet, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person, not an EVP. We don't want you to pass on and then communicate with us through the dead. We want you to become an EPP as a living person. Uh, that's an extra podcast person. Like I said, you get an extra podcast every single week um, as uh, a thank you to, for your donation to the show and uh, keeping us afloat and keeping the show going. It's five bucks a month. Or you can do 10 or 15, whatever you feel the show is worth to you. Just click that Become an EPP button on the website. We'll get you those uh, episodes emailed to you every single week, those bonus episodes. It equates to about 52 extra episodes a year, so not bad at all. So please become one of them EPPs. We do greatly appreciate that, and thank you in advance. Uh, and if you've already, beco- already become one, well, thank you so much. We we really could not continue to do the show without you, in all, in all seriousness. So, until next time, for Jenny Bruski, we'll be back on the show very soon. I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.